I started working for Soul Survivor about 24 years ago. And it was like all my dreams come true. It's what I had wanted to do. So I was thrilled to have started. And one of the first things that I did is we headed off as a team to a conference that we were hosting. And um, we went to this conference. It was in one of those conference centers, you know, that tend to be quite warm and a little bit airless. And one of the things that I've been good at my whole life is falling asleep at the drop of the hat. And sometimes that's a blessing and sometimes less so. So we're in this conference and Mike is speaking. And as he's speaking, something happened to me that some of you might relate to. I started um, dropping off. It happens sometimes when he speaks. And, um, and I was thinking, oh no, because I'm meant to be representing Soul Survivor. And like, you know, this is awful. I can't sleep through his talk. But you know when you can feel sleep just pulling you away? So I did this little trick that I learned in A-Level RE. And I put my Bible into my lap. And I rested my head. like So I'm looking down at my Bible, looking really intensely at it. And then I just felt free to head into this really deep sleep. It was a great nap. You know those naps that you remember? And so deep was this sleep. I woke up with a start when I think Mike made a joke and people laughed. And as I woke up, I had this string of dribble that went from my mouth into my Bible, like literally pooling on my Bible. I, I should have been embarrassed, but I was a bit proud of myself. <laughs> but yeah, sleep has never been my problem, okay? I can sleep anywhere, anytime, any place. The thing I'm not always as good at is knowing how to rest well. And I don't think I'm alone in that. Um, and it's something that I've been so thinking about and feeling God sort of nudging me about several times that I've decided, I thought, what's the best way that I can really sort of think about biblical rest? I thought, I know, I'll write a talk on it and then, you know, I'll really get to grips with it and hopefully pass something on of value to you as well. And I, I think a lot of us are quite weary at the moment. Like, not everyone um, but I think a lot of us are, and that's life sometimes, isn't it? Life uh, can, can be hard work, and if you're not feeling like you really need a rest right now, then I do think you probably will come to a point in your life where you will need that, so do listen in anyway. And even if you don't need a rest right now, chances are that someone sat next to you, for example, the person that's done all the planning of the wedding while you've done absolutely very, very little... <laughs> Then, then maybe, I'm t they know me, um, but then maybe they, they might want you to listen to this talk and sort of help them rest in their lives. So do listen in. And I think although this um, weariness can be just part of life, one of the amazing things, one of the many amazing things about the Bible is that it really uh, helps us make sense of life. And we can look at the Bible and from there we can really learn how God did it and how he spoke to his people and really understand more of what that looks like in our life. So that's what we're going to do this morning. And if this talk had a title, it would be this, rest, we need it, let's do it. So if you want to kind of zone out now and have a, have a rest while I'm speaking, and I do know someone that once spoke on rest and invited her whole church to come and attend in sleeping bags which I would never be brave enough to do because I think I would lose every single one of you. But if you do want to nod off, I'll tell you now that the application of this talk is like, let's find better ways and more consistent ways to rest. So if you want to zone out there, you know where I'm going to land. But what we're going to do is we're going to look at the Bible and learn from the story of the Bible to apply that to our lives. And a great way that we can do that is by starting at the very beginning 
Julie Andrews said it well when she said, let's start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. And it's true when we're looking at any subject that we want to wrestle in the Bible, it can be really helpful to go back and go, let's look at the very beginning of our story. And at the beginning of our story, we read this. In Genesis 1, God sets to work. And he works the work of creation. He makes the sun, the moon, the earth. He did that bit first. Earth and sky, plants, animals, birds, us. And he does all of this work, and he said that it was good. And then in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 2, it says this. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing, So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So we see that God worked really hard, and then he rested. And in the Bible, this number seven, so seven days that we see here, this number seven is a number of completeness. And so what we see is that the rest was as much a part of that creative week as the hard work of creation had been. But I don't know if you've ever wondered, what does it look like for God to rest? Because he's not human, so he's not depleted or diminished like we are. It's not that he worked really hard and then went, oh gosh, that took every last bit of my energy. I now need to, you know, sit in a dark room and recover. Tell the angels, leave me alone. You know, I'm switching my phone off. I'm just, you know, I need to go. And it's not, it was like that for him. And yet, nevertheless, the Bible's really clear with us that he rested. Um, A little clue into what that rest looks like comes a little bit later in Exodus chapter 31, 17, because it says this. In six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. The word rest there means to stop, to cease activity. It's almost like if you can imagine that God has been, you know, busy at this creative work, and then at the end of six days, he's like, I'm done. Hands off. I don't need to do anything more here. This is really good. It's like the opposite of what you see in Bake Off. You know, when they say, right, bakers, your time is up. Step away from your benches. And then you can see them all like, they just want to do that one last bit, that little tweak, that something that's going to elevate their cake. God didn't need to do one more thing. There was nothing that needed adjusting. It's not like he looked at a sparrow and went, oh, I could just, oh, if only I'd thought to do that to humans, you know. He, it was complete. He was done and he took his hands off, he stopped. But not only did he stop, but it says that he was refreshed. And that word refresh, it's like to take a deep breath, or to feel a breath, like a breath of wind pass over you. And so it's almost like, if you can imagine this, in God stopping and breathing, Imagine that he's on the porch of heaven and he's sat there, he's got a cold drink in his hand, he's surveying his amazing work. (sighs) He just releases the most contented sigh. He rested and was refreshed. And what we see at the beginning of our story is that 
Good work and good rest are good. They were part of the original plan, so fruitful, creative work, and then resting and being refreshed. But then, in our story, there comes a twist, because then sin enters the world. And when sin enters the world, all kinds of disharmony um, takes place. And what we see in uh, Genesis chapter 3 is God begins to talk to the humans, Adam and Eve, about the consequences of their choice. And when it comes to work, he says this, Genesis 3 verse 17, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. And the way that work is described there is hugely different to this satisfying work that God had undertaken at the beginning. Now it's through painful toil. And not only that, but he sort of specifies that these thistles and thorns are going to be part of what is now coming out of the ground. And the thing about thistles and thorns, which you'll know if you're any time in your garden, is weeds, they come up, not just once, but continually. If you're a gardener, you'll never be able to say, I've done the weeding. I did it four and a half years ago and all's good with me. It's a continuous work. And so there's this sense now that part of our work, there is this restlessness and relentlessness. It's just ongoing, ongoing. It's like, and we see that in our own lives, even if we're not in touch with the land in the same way, there is always another weed to pull out of the ground. There is always another fire to put out. There is always another email that needs our response. There is always another meal that needs to be made and a load of washing that needs to be put away. It never ends. And we feel that restlessness in us. And because it's continuous, these weeds coming out of the ground, it means that it can be really hard to stop. And then the story gets a bit worse. Because not only are God's people now dealing with this issue, the work of the, of, the soil, of the soil being hard, but then they're taken into slavery. And for generations, they're in Egypt where they have no freedom. And within that space, they, are, they have hard slave drivers who are over them, who drive them, drive them, drive them to do the work. There is no freedom to rest. God hears their cry. And he rescues them from Egypt. And as he leads them out, he begins to lay before them commands and patterns for their life and their worship. And as he introduces these commands, he says these words in Exodus 20. God spoke these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of a land of slavery. And so it's like, first of all, he gives the headline, like you're about to hear from me commands, and as you hear these commands, know this, this is who I am. I am God. I'm sovereign. I am your God who heard your cry, and you guys remember that you used to be slaves. And that sort of, it's like a blueprint that he's laying over this, is remember this is where you used to be, it's not where you are today. And into that context, he says these words. This is in uh, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. 
Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. In the story, what God is saying is you were slaves, but now you're free and you are free to rest. And he even took that and he made a special day for it and he called that day Sabbath. It was so radical for them to hear it. Like you're allowed to stop. Not only are you allowed to stop, but in fact, I command you to stop. This command that he was given, it was given to them as part of their worship. If you heard in the words that I read, it said that you are to have a Sabbath to the Lord. In other words, that their rest was be, to be like directed to him. It was to be part of their worship. It was given as a gift, remembering that they had the freedom to stop, and it was given to the whole community. And, he, and God literally takes the time to say, it's for you, it's for your sons and daughters, it's for all of you. And this, still for us, is God's word to us. Stop. Be refreshed. He modeled for it. He modeled it for us. He's a good parent. So as a good parent, on that day, on that seventh day when he stopped, he wasn't just doing it to stop. Part of it, because it's his nature, he can never stop being a good parent, is to model for us, hey guys, this is what good work looks like. You get immersed into it and you bring your all and you, know, you can be satisfied by it. But also, this is what good rest looks like. It looks like taking your hand off and stopping and breathing out. He modeled that for us. He showed us that rest is good. So often when the Sabbath is talked about in the Old Testament, it, it, we're told to celebrate a Sabbath. So like take joy in the freedom that you have to stop. And Jesus taught us, he said when he was on this earth, that Sabbath was made for man, not the other way around. So we don't owe anything to the Sabbath. We are given the Sabbath as a gift. It was made for us. Like, I have a bed that I love. I don't owe my bed anything. I choose it because I love it, but I don't owe my bed anything. And in the same way, I don't owe Sabbath. You don't, but you can enjoy it as a gift. And this invitation to rest then, that it keeps coming up throughout the whole of the Bible, is not meant to like be received as religion, but as a gift. It's not meant to be like this other thing where you're like, oh, Ali spoke on rest this morning. Oh, I better think about how I do that and how different my Sabbath should look and, you know, make a plan. It's just simple. It's, you, you are allowed to stop and it is good when you do. And this um, invitation to rest, it's just as much for us about worship as it was for them. Because when we stop... It's like we acknowledge that we are not God. I mean, like, I know we don't say that, but it, that's how we live. Like, I am in charge. If I don't do this, then what? 
you know, if I don't do this, is the world going to fall apart? No, he was the one who set the, the, the moon in place, who established the heavens and the earth, not us. He is the one who upholds us with his righteous right hand, the Bible tells us, not the other way around. We don't uphold him or anything for that matter, really. And so when we stop, what happens is it exposes what we're worshipping that so often isn't him. Because it's like as we pull back from that, it's like saying, I am not God of this. It topples those idols of perfectionism or success or in having the perfect home or in being the perfect work, um, parent. Whatever that is, it's like dethroning ourselves to honour him. That's why it's part of our worship. Rest for us today is also about freedom, just as it was for the Israelites. It's about saying we don't have to be driven. And in really different ways, a lot of us are quite driven to keep going. Where we, like I said, we believe that we're the ones that have to do this and keep this going. And if we stop... and. When I went on holiday a few weeks ago, we went as a family to Cornwall, and just before we left, I took my emails off of my phone. Right, I'm gone for a week, let's get rid of them. Interestingly, on holiday, I tried to re-download them three times. It felt so hard not to have my emails on. Three times I tried and failed. Think about it afterwards. I think it's got something to do with the fact that I have worked for Soul for 24 years. If you saw my folders... <laughs> In, I mean, I've literally got a conference that we ran in like 2003. I've still got email folders for it. So I probably ought to clear that out. But anyway, when I tried to, you know, re-download these emails, what, be, what happened in me was I felt quite twitchy internally. You know, you feel that like angst. And initially that angst presented itself to me like, what if someone needs me? Like, what if someone has been trying to get hold of me and they can't because my emails are turned off? which sounds quite good, doesn't it? It's like, oh, that's nice, Ali. But that was just the first layer. As I sat in that discomfort a little while longer, what actually exposed itself was fear of missing out. What if there's a bit of news that I don't know? What if something's happened and I'm not part of it? That was where the real angst came from. And I wouldn't have known it if I hadn't stopped. So when we stop, it's like facing a bit more into freedom from the things that drive us. And we don't have slave drivers like they did. Some of you might feel like you do, depending on your boss. But we don't tend to have human slave drivers, but let's not be mistaken that we don't have many other things that are like standing behind us, whipping us and saying, do more, don't stop. So rest is about freedom. And rest is also about all of us. So in the same way, when that first command was given, and it was, everyone do this, everyone stop, your, your sons and your daughters and your donkeys, everyone, I love that that was uh, such a communal thing for them. And it really was. So for God's community then, they would all down tools on a Friday at sundown and leave that right through to a Saturday at sundown. And that must have been so lovely to, for everyone to have been doing that at the same time because there would have been no expectations like, why are you not replying to my email? Because no one is, you know. That must have been a really lovely thing, but our life doesn't really look like that anymore. Like our work patterns are really diverse. Some of us are at home, some of us are in the workplace. And then adding into that that our personalities are different. 
And so, like, I might rest by sitting in front of Netflix, whereas some of you strange people, you rest by climbing a mountain. And, like, I might rest by, like, hanging out with some of my favorite people, but some of you weirdos think that you can rest by being alone. What's that all about? So we're really different. And one of the things I'd love to say is that in our differences, whether that is about uh, the shape of our day or our personalities, it would be great if we could find a way to give each other permission to rest. Like permission to be off, permission to do it differently, to recognize that when someone is seeking out like time in their garden while you're still running around getting jobs done, that's okay. Rest is necessary for all of us and looks different for all of us. Like God, we all need to stop and breathe out. So how do we do this? How do we do this well? Just, um, I think it starts with, I'm going to look at some really practical things, but it starts with the invitation that Jesus himself made, which is, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It starts there with hearing that invitation, come to me. If you're feeling heavy, if you're feeling weary, come to me. And then what does it look like to come to him? Because immediately we can apply that same like work ethic to the come to me invitation of, right, okay, so it'll look like this. I'll read this much of the Bible and then I'll do this app and then I'll, you know, whatever. But it's not that. Or it's not just that. It starts simply with come to me. Like be still in my presence. Breathe out in my presence. Receive peace. Receive clarity. Come to me. What would it look like if we decided, for example, to lay on our bed and just rest in his presence? Like probably a good chunk of us would fall asleep after five minutes and then feel guilty about it. But what if we chose not to feel guilty about it? What if we literally were like, I'm having a nap with you, God, right now? But then don't just leave it there. Come to me all who are weary. weary. It's like, come to me in the middle of your weariness, in the middle of that meeting where you're needing wisdom and say, come Holy Spirit, come and meet me in this place. As you're climbing that mountain, as you're hanging out with friends, do it with him, not just for him. And in the same way that when you are weary and burdened, and if you see one of your favorite people and you spent an evening with them, it's not that you go home to change circumstances or go back into work and everything's different, but something about being in their company has refreshed you. Well, Jesus, our friend and brother, says, come to me, all who are weary. What would it look like to pray over ourselves that simple, beautiful prayer, come Holy Spirit, when, it, uh, when we talked about Jesus resting and being refreshed, and I said that refreshed word is about a deep sigh, but it could also be about like a, a wind passing over us. And whenever we hear the wind or breath or breeze in the Bible, it's usually a good flag that the Holy Spirit might be involved. And so to be refreshed, we can say, come Holy Spirit, come and rest on me now. Breathe over me, breathe in me, come to me. There are a few other things that I'll say in these last couple of minutes about what it might look like to rest. And one of them might be understanding the type of tired that you are. 
So just really practically, what we can often think is, I'm tired, I need a nap, or I'm tired, I need an early night, and you might. But that assumes that this tired that you are is physically tired, and you need a bit more sleep. And often, we're fooled into thinking that that's all that there is. But there are so many ways that we can be tired. We can be tired mentally. If we've had to do a lot of really hard thinking and problem solving and dealing with hard things, we can become mentally tired. We can become emotionally tired if a lot of, there's been a lot of strain on our emotions. We can become relationally tired. You know, and I think that was the experience of quite a few people in lockdown that maybe the people that you were with in lockdown, they might be people that you've chosen to spend the rest of your life with, but it's quite a narrow community, whether it's your housemates or your family or whatever, that's quite a narrow community, and so it might be the end of it, you feel quite relationally tired. And there are different signs that come with those different signs of tired, different types of tiredness. So like I've already said about physical, you might be really tired and longing for your bed, if you're emotionally tired, you might find that emotions are coming a bit too freely. So whether it is that you are more angry or whether you find yourself weeping at some strange advert about a rescue dog, you know, and you're like, why am I even crying? I don't even care about rescue dogs. You know, if you find yourself leaking, you know, leaking tears, it might be a sign that you're emotionally tired. If you're finding it hard to make decisions, that can be a sign that you're mentally tired. It's like that bucket has been well and truly spent. And so identifying the type of tired that you are and noticing the flags will help you work out the type of rest that you need. What is it that you need to stop doing or even do? Like, is it that you need to be out in nature more? Is it that you need to put different things in your diary? I think a lot of us have realized in the last couple of months that one of the things we need is more fun. It's one of the reasons why Mamma Mia was such a hit, with people belting out these songs at the top of their voice and being together, is because it's like we didn't realize that we were craving fun. That's a good thing. Let's find more fun, find ways to have fun in our, in our lives. I do think it's worth saying just before I finish is that one area of tiredness that is probably affecting loads of us is sensory tiredness. Because of the amount of screens that we're on for work and for rest, you know, we think that sitting in front of Netflix is going to uh, rest us, but it, it doesn't. And then we've got the problem of the fact that our phones are so much in one place you know, they are our calendars, they are the place where we socially interact, where we get jobs done, we do our online banking, and almost every time we pick up the phone, it's demanding more of us sometimes than we have to give. Our phones really, they can be an incredible blessing, but let's be aware that they can also be really harsh bullies, and that we can feel like beholden to our phones. And so I just throw that out there as well, that it may well be that we need to factor in that we might be very depleted in the, in the realm of the sensory, and a great um, rest from that is to put it down and is to get into nature or read a book or do something completely different. There are lots of different ways that we need to um, rest. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I would really encourage you to think of it. Look to your flags. Look to those areas that are showing you that you're tired. And then receive the invitation from God as a gift. He's not trying to beat you up. He's trying to say, because I love you, 
I want you to stop regularly. Because I love you, I want you to be refreshed. Rest is so important. We need it. Let's do it.